Sometimes studying the Bible can feel overwhelming and confusing. Grounded in Truth with Janet Dennison will help you learn to study, understand, and apply God's Word to your daily life. His Word is true. And guess what? It's for everyone. So thanks for joining us today as we dive into Scripture together. Welcome to the Grounded in Truth podcast with me, Janet Dennison. This is a study about the power of prayer and why praying with God's power is necessary for our lives and ministries. Powerful prayer aligns our hearts, minds, and lives with the will of God and enables the Holy Spirit to continue Jesus' earthly ministry through His disciples. Let's look at today's lesson and learn more about how we can pray more effectively and with an eternal purpose in mind. Today's lesson comes from Romans chapter 8, and I've titled it The Power of Spirit-Led Prayers. This may be the most life-changing lesson you get in this series. I know learning to pray in the Spirit has helped me in my prayer life more than just about anything. I am not talking about what sometimes people call the prayer language uh, or the gift of prayer, the spiritual gift of praying in tongues. That is not what I'm teaching here today. I am going to talk about what it means to live a life so closely walking with God that our prayers become the prayers that Jesus would pray for us and through us. That's spirit-led prayer. Romans chapter 8 is considered one of the finest chapters in all of the New Testament. It so completely outlines what a Christian theology ought to be and sums up what Paul has been saying in the every chapter that precedes it. And so we'll look at chapter eight, but I want us to look at it with this idea in mind. What does it mean to pray a spirit-led prayer? When you experienced your salvation, you were gifted with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit then gifts your life in ways that are unique just for you. You can do a study of spiritual gifts uh, if you just Google the term. But one of the gifts is prayer. That's not necessarily what I'm saying today or teaching today because all of us need to learn to pray in the Spirit. How do we do that? Romans chapter 8 is maybe the most important single chapter in the New Testament on this subject. Remember that Paul wrote the book of Romans as a complete theology of the Christian faith. The church in Rome was unique and powerful in many ways, but one of its greatest strengths, as well as one of its greatest weaknesses, was that within the church walls, you had faithful Christians who had come out of their Jewish faith in believed Jesus to be their Messiah and were saved. 
you also had those that had come out of the Greek and Roman culture and come into Christianity, bringing with them all of their background as well. It was difficult to combine these two groups of people in one church, and yet the church in Rome did that. And this letter to this church in Rome is an explanation of what matters in our faith and how to make the Christian faith work. For the Jewish Christian, Paul was going to teach that there was such freedom for them in their faith in Jesus Christ. They were no longer married to a system of rules and sacrifices and attendance to the Jewish festivals and and different times of prayer and all of that. To the Greek and Roman culture, they came out of a very secular, multi-God culture. And the book of Romans was written so that they could understand that while they were free in their faith, their faith did not give them permission to act freely according to however they wanted. That's the dynamic of the book of Romans and the dynamic we see addressed in Romans chapter 8. It begins with this great description of what New Testament Christianity is. In verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. To the Jewish Christian, he says, there is freedom. There is freedom from the law, not from the intent of the law, but from these many Jewish laws that had been man-made, man-authored. And the spirit of life had set them free. They were no longer right with God because they did A, B, C, and D. They were right with God because Jesus Christ had entered their life and made them right with God. They no longer needed to be governed by a set of laws. They needed instead to be governed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift of God's grace. We didn't earn the Holy Spirit in our salvation. He was a gift to us. Why? Why did God want us to have the Holy Spirit every moment of our lives? The Holy Spirit is a gift of God's grace. In verse 3, of chapter 8. It says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That's what it means to have freedom from sin. It's not freedom from ever committing another sin. It's freedom from worrying you won't be able to pay for it. It's freedom from worrying if God is going to receive you into his kingdom. Through Jesus Christ, we were gifted with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our salvation. Now, 
We know we're saved. We know we have eternal life with our heavenly father. But we still have an earthly life to live until that time. How do we live this life with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the mind of Christ, free but not free? Free but not free to sin. Our minds are to be spirit-led now. Those who live according to the flesh, Paul writes, have their minds set on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. That's the choice all of us will make if we want to be a spirit-led Christian. It's our choice to step out of our own abilities, our own thoughts, our own successes, and step into the knowledge that we are loved by a creator God, gifted by his Holy Spirit. We are not free to sin. We have freedom from our sins. The key to powerful prayers begins with understanding that our minds need to be set on the ways of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He is the gift of God's grace. So how do you know that you have been saved? Paul writes, you, however, speaking to the Christians in Rome, he said, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit does not belong to Him. If you do not have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, you don't belong to Him. The marker for whether or not a person is saved is whether or not a person has the Holy Spirit in their life. That's why it was so important in the first century church for those Christians to speak in the prayer language, to speak in a way that identified them as being people who had been filled with the Spirit. Over time, that gift was able to be reproduced uh, out of a desire to please God more than because it was actually a gift of God's Holy Spirit. And so Paul would eventually write that the speaking in tongues was easily abused. Using freedom would be a good example to act like a Christian rather than trusting your whole your life to actually be Christian. But anyone who has the spirit in their lives, the Holy Spirit of God, is saved. That's what marks us as a Christian, not the journey or the rules we might have followed, but the fact that those who have the Holy Spirit have been marked for heaven. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who also raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That's the joy of being a spirit-led Christian is you have Jesus functioning in your life. 
My favorite definition of the Holy Spirit is the continued earthly ministry of Jesus through his followers. So then begins the sanctification process. When you've been made holy, God will begin to grow you up, sanctify your life. Paul writes to the church, to the Christians in the church in Rome, so then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors. We've been died for. We've been saved. We've been promised eternal life through Jesus Christ, and we've been gifted with his presence in our life, his Holy Spirit. And we owe God for this amazing gift. We are debtors to Jesus for all that he endured for us. We're not indebted to follow the ways of this world. We do not owe this world. We do not owe our flesh, is what Paul says. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the Spirit, but by the, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Paul is saying, live as the Spirit leads now, not as your human nature leads. For our goal is to live for God as a sanctified believer. That's what we owe God. That's what we are debted to do. Live with this great gift of faith we've been given. He then writes, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We should wake up every day, look in the mirror, and realize that a child of God is looking back at us. That's who we are in Christ Jesus. Sometimes I think we lose track of our true identity. We're to live as children of the living God. And he enabled us to do that when he gifted us with his Holy Spirit. We can say with Jesus, we cry out through the Spirit, Abba, Father, Paul writes. In verse 16, Paul says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. If you doubt your salvation at some point or wonder what it means to live as a Christian, ask the Holy Spirit to show you who you are because of Christ Jesus. Ask him to help you realize and know you are a child of God. How does the Spirit provide our prayers with hope? There is a passage in Romans 8, 18 to 25, that if you read it in its entirety, is a mouthful. So let me sum it up this way. Just as all of creation was subjected at the fall of man to a sense of decay, to a sense of wearing down, you could say that this world no longer was the Garden of Eden. And we live in a world that is fallen. Uh, it is moving forward even as time is moving forward. But even creation will be set free from its bondage at some point, And it will obtain the freedom through Jesus that we will obtain as children of God. This earth has a beginning and an end, just like our life does. 
and creation and how the seasons move forward, time moves forward, is an indicator of what God is doing in this world. He is moving us to a place where we are set free permanently from sin. He described it in verse 22 as being like childbirth, that it gets harder and harder and harder until all of a sudden the baby is born. In many ways, that's a picture of our life and a picture of creation itself. Moving forward, agonizing at times, aging is not for the faint of heart, you might say, and yet the joy of aging is knowing you continue to move forward day after day, year after year, decade after decade, and creation century after century to a place where one day everything will be made new again. That's what we do when we pray through the Holy Spirit. We're praying with an eternal hope knowing that we don't always get our answer for this fallen world. Sometimes we pray knowing that our answers, our treasure in heaven, are being stored up for us on the other side. It's been said that Christians often pray saints out of heaven more often than they pray sinners out of hell. I know that's been true in my life at times. To pray in the Spirit is to understand God's eternal priorities for all of us. He owns the big picture for our lives, for all of creation, and he's moving us toward that end. In verse 24, Paul writes, For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he has seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. One of the hardest things about praying in this life is being patient for our answers because sometimes our answers are eternal. Spirit-led prayers are powerful prayers. Paul writes, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. I think that might be one of the most important lessons about prayer. Own this truth. If you do not pray in the Holy Spirit, you might not be praying for what you ought to be praying for. The only way we know what we should be praying for is when we know we are praying as the Spirit has led us to pray. That one verse, that one truth of Scripture should absolutely change your prayer life. When you bow your head, you don't know what you want to pray for unless you've asked the Holy Spirit first. And that's why the Spirit utters words we haven't even thought to pray. Sometimes we bow our head not knowing, and the Holy Spirit prays for us. That's what those verses mean. Paul 
puts it bluntly, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. And so the Spirit intercedes for us, groaning with groanings too deep for words, Paul says. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because, and I love the rest of this, the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. When the Holy Spirit prays your prayer through you, you are praying for what God wants for your life. It's summed up in these words. We don't know what to pray for unless we pray through the power of the Holy Spirit, who is our daily moment-to-moment -moment gift. I want to close with a passage from John 16, verses 12 to 15, where Jesus is describing the blessing of praying a spirit-led prayer. John writes, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, I have many things to say to you, but you can't handle it now. When will they be able to handle it? It's the next verse. In verse 13, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he's talking about those days after Pentecost that the disciples can't even fathom at this point. Jesus tells them when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. When you bow your head and pray through the Spirit, it is Jesus speaking to you, not his words. The Holy Spirit speaking, not his words, but the words that God has authored. If you want to know what God wants for your life, practice praying in the power and the wisdom and the guidance and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the, the Holy Spirit will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. When the Holy Spirit speaks into your life, Jesus is speaking to you just like he spoke tangibly to his disciples in the first century. It's his same voice that speaks to his disciples today through the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. We have everything we need through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians that, say, that says we have been given the mind of Christ. Powerful prayers are prayers that are prayed because of the mind of Jesus Christ, his voice that indwells us through the Holy Spirit. I close with a quote from Elizabeth Elliot, a famous missionary. She wrote about prayer saying, prayer lays hold of God's plan and becomes the link between his will and its accomplishment on earth. Amazing things happen 
And we are given the privilege of being channels of the Holy Spirit's prayer. If you would like to pray a Spirit-led prayer, move yourself, your own thoughts, your own will, your own ideas to the side. And instead, as Elizabeth Elliot said, become a channel for what God is thinking, what God is saying, for what God wants to do. And then your prayers will be this miraculous conversation with the living God. And you'll say amen, able to function as God wants you to function in this world. We don't know what we ought to pray for. The Holy Spirit does. Practice and practice and practice until one day you realize the Holy Spirit is praying through you. See you next time. Thanks for listening today. If you're enjoying this study and want to go a little bit deeper, we want to encourage you to download our new Foundations Bible Studies app. In the app, you'll find all of our studies along with some extra resources like video lectures, study guides with commentaries, study questions, and even teaching tips. You can also take notes directly on the app. Everything you need to go deeper, all in one place. And if going deeper into God's Word is your goal, you'll definitely want to check out Janet's latest resource we've just added to the app. Wisdom Matters is an evening devotional that gives you an opportunity to reflect on a verse or two from the Bible before going to sleep. We all need more of God's wisdom, so make sure you check out this important resource. You'll find links in today's show notes for downloading the app on both Apple and Android, or simply go to the App Store and search Foundations Bible Studies. We'll see you there.